Hey, Podcast Brunch Club. A quick message before we begin. I just want to thank our organizational partner, Listen Notes, the best podcast search engine. If you're an individual or an organization and you want to support the amazing listener community, think about becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash podcast brunch club. Hello, listeners. This is Sarah De Silva, and I am here with Max Sanderson from the Guardians Science Weekly podcast. Hey, Max. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this interview. Our PBC Podcast Brunch Club members love hearing from the creative minds behind the shows that we feature on the playlist. And I always like hearing from the creators, too, because from the creative standpoint, you hear something totally different than maybe what you ended up hearing on the listener end. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Just thank you so much for having me. I think it's really important. The thing I love about podcasts is it sort of tries to break down that barrier between listener and producer. So I think what you guys do is, is really incredible. So yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about the show and your role with the show. You know, how long have you been working on the show? Okay, so since the podcast uh, in question that that you guys have so kindly featured, since that came out, I actually no longer actively produce the show, but I do exec it at the moment. So I started life off actually as a neuroscientist, so it was quite indirect into podcasting, and then realized I wasn't going to be a very good scientist because I'm not very good with statistics, and <laughs> I've got really shaky hands. So I thought, uh, probably not going to you know, be good in a lab. Uh, so I, I decided to sort of see if I could somehow just talk about science as a professional or record people talking about science. So that's how I ended up in as a science communicator, as that's what we call it. And yeah. I love podcasts uh, primarily because I think the way that science is often portrayed generally to the public is this kind of very dehumanized form of you know we are scientists and we know this and we know that and now we will tell you and there's no interaction and there's no humanity so my big thing has always been trying to put the humans back in the science Mm -hmm. um so i eventually got a job uh, in podcasting I, i used to work for a company called radio wolfgang did a podcast called science ish which was kind of looking at scientific themes within movies which was really fun two great presenters. And then from there, I got picked up by The Guardian to do the Science Weekly podcast. And when I got here two and a half years ago, it was kind of just a load of people sitting around a table talking about what happened in the science news that week, which is, you know, interesting. It's it's fine, but it's not really what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do is kind of take some of the more kind of timeless elements of science uh, and really pull out the characters and the stories within them. So I sort of started this mission uh, yeah, two and a half years ago. And yeah, I must have been doing the podcast for about just over two years. And then sort of uh, due to stuff happening at work, it was decided that actually I'd be best kind of overseeing a couple of podcasts um, mm-hmm. and moving a bit more into like the documentary space. So that's what I've been doing. But yeah, so I produced it up until the mini series actually on AI. That was my last kind of foray into it. Well, that's awesome. So I am an engineer. And so I love this idea of having science communicator podcasts are like one of my favorite. They're like literally one of my favorite things. So yeah. um, because it's it's true, like I'm a I'm an engineer, but I never wanted to be like an engineer that sat at a desk and did calculations. I want to mm. do like 
translate that to how it applies. So unfortunately, mm. I have to say I love statistics. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I but, love uh, them. I'm just not very good at them. <laughs> which is even but, worse, right? It's like, uh, you know, an unrequited love. <laughs> They don't well, love me. <laughs> I think it's great that you ended up in this role then. So that's that's perfect. Okay, so as you said, the this episode that we're featuring this month is the last in a four-part mini-series. And the mini-series was about AI, artificial mm. intelligence, and it aired earlier this year in 2018. Mm-hmm. And this particular episode was about whether AI needs an off switch. So... Can you tell us a little bit more about that four-part miniseries and why you ended up ending with this topic? Yeah, definitely. So the the, the kind of miniseries idea was, again, it was something when I, when I joined Science Weekly, I was really keen to do. I think, you know, half an hour is great to explore a topic in detail in half an hour, but sometimes there are topics that are too big to try and explore in half mm. an hour. And if you do try and explore them, what you end up doing is actually not exploring very much. So I'd done a couple of mini series on big unknowns. So we looked at, you know, is time an illusion? Uh, Is free will real? Kind of the quite philosophical things. And the thing, I don't know, that I've always found working with um, science journalists. So I've got three, well, I had three uh, brilliant presenters on Science Weekly, uh, Ian Sample, uh, Nicola Davis, and Hannah Devlin. And they're all science journalists here. They primarily write. And the thing that I love about, science journalists is that the side of them that you know produces the articles and is very serious about science and and rightfully so is very different from the side that you get when the mics are off or when they're not interviewing people and so this kind of mini series came out of conversations myself and Ian Sample who is slightly obsessed with artificial intelligence we're having so we were kind of doing a couple of episodes around AI and then we would finish our interview and he would come back to the studio to make sure it was all right and we would have these sort of sometimes up to an hour long conversations about all these kind of philosophical elements of AI. And the thing that we kept coming back to is what kind of interested, at least me, I'm not going to speak for Ian here, but what interested me most about artificial intelligence was actually what it can tell us about us, about humans. I think the fact that we are now creating this technology where we have to reduce things like intelligence or vision or ethics, the fact that we have to reduce those things to sort of binary computations actually can reveal a lot about what it means to be human. And so that was kind of one element um, that made us want to do this miniseries. The other element, I think, which is really important and the reason why we picked, so all four episodes were kind of roundtable discussions and they were all on the outset slightly sceptical because I think... You know, Ian will, would be able to talk to this as well. The way that AI is generally portrayed in the media is it's very binary. It's either very good or it's very mm-hmm. bad. But yep. that's actually, when you get when you speak to AI researchers, there's actually loads of disagreement about what AI is and you know whether we'll ever get to human level AI. And so we wanted to have a roundtable discussion where we brought in scientists from different fields and sort of addressed these questions that are slightly skeptical towards AI, hence the name questioning AI, but also allowed us to kind of uncover some of these disagreements within the field. And importantly, and especially with, so my favorite one actually isn't the one you've chosen. My favorite one to make was what kind of intelligence will we create? 
which essentially ended up being a conversation about what is intelligence? You know, is human intelligence the ultimate intelligence? What other intelligences? Intelligences? Hmm. What, what other types of mm -hmm. intelligence exist out there? And a lot of them did this incredible thing naturally, including the one we're talking about today. Does AI need an off switch? Which is they kind of held up a mirror to, to what it means to be human, which is what, you know, as I've already said, I think is fascinating about AI. And so the final question was kind of, you know, we wanted to make it quite sexy with the title. And I think when people think about AI, they think about Terminator and things taking over the world and this big mm -hmm. kind of red switch that you can hit when they all go too crazy. But actually what it was about was kind of, I suppose, the ethics of it. And, and what does it mean to try and create an ethical robot? And can we even create an ethical robot? Because, yep. you know, it, it, you could ask the same questions. Do humans need an off switch? And it's kind of like, well, it depends what those humans are doing. And it depends whether or not those humans know that what they're doing is bad. And I suppose mm -hmm. that was kind of what we were trying to get at with that episode. Yeah, I think there's this fear that if you have reason, if you develop reason, if you develop ethics, then there's this chance or or it's almost an inevitability. I, I feel like this is what I hear about in the science that's communicated that I read about mm. or hear about about this, that if you develop reason, then world domination or like, you know, control over everything is the thing that will ultimately be the end thing that comes with it. And mm. I don't, I don't know that I think I mean I think that's people's fear is you know the the uh auto automated weapons and stuff like that mm. that's like the it's almost like an extreme uh, extent and uh, I just think there's so much else in the whole spectrum of opportunity mm. um bad and good but I think that, that that's probably leads to why there's such this like you said there's such conversation and discussion and disagreement about <laughs> everything related to AI, wh mm. whether it's good, bad, scary, helpful, whatever. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, our, our minds go to these extremes like, oh, yeah, we could help solve world hunger or we could have world destruction. But mm. really, there's so many things in between. But maybe it's like because we don't know the average person doesn't know that much about what AI could do that that's why we our minds tend to go to these extremes i don't know yeah i i, I would i would completely agree and i th i think like you know a big problem and and this is something we've probably hopefully captured maybe implicitly within that mini series was you know a big problem you know this stems essentially from the the, the way in which this kind of stuff is reported on i'm yes. doing an, another project at the moment on uh, crispr and gene editing and these things are always treated as if if they're somehow other to us, as if as if you know these things are either whether it's AI or, or gene technology, as if these sort of like you know non things are somehow they they have some sort of agency and they could save the world or they could you know ruin the world depending on what they choose to do with it. And the thing that I think is often lost is the fact that these things are not good or bad. These things have the potential to be good or bad, and the thing that is going to make them good or bad are the humans using yes. them. And, and I think Nigel um, Shadbolt, so Sir Nigel Shadbolt, who was one of um, our brilliant speakers in that episode in question, the round table, I think, and I'm going to paraphrase him probably wrongly here, but he said, you know, 
the existential threats from AI, that's not going to be what kind of ruins humanity. What's going to ruin humanity is natural stupidity. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's a very important point. I think, you know, AI can, you know, has the potential to do bad things and good things and some things that are kind of bad and good and some things that are worse and some things that are better. But it's how we use it that is going to be, that is going to determine the outcome. And I think that's kind of lost a lot of the time, especially in the way that it's reported by, you know, I'll say it, some of my colleagues. Yeah, right. You know, I also liked the discussion in that particular episode about regulation and how regulation and ethics are like not that's a tricky thing. You know, that mm. you can't regulate people's ethics per se. And so the idea of regulating AI is very um I just don't think it's necessarily the answer because, you know, like we keep talking about, it's not companies or institutions or whatever that are selling or creating the AI. It's the people that are behind it. And then there's still, if you're going to regulate, then there's some bias or subjectivity embedded in that. You know, it's it's almost impossible to be like completely objective in a regulation. And also it's AI is developed by people who don't Mm. have to, you don't have to be associated with a company or an institution. Mm. Like, you know, these are, this is a product of brilliant minds not necessarily software or whatever you know like Mm. so i don't know it becomes very individual i think and i think it's a really important point and that was one of my favorite bits when that was brought up this idea of regulation because i would be in agreement with you it's kind of you know how in god's name do you regulate something like that and Mm -hmm. i think you know i'm i'm no kind of moral relativist you know i think there are things that are right and things that are wrong but you know, once you get into the, the the middle bit, it's very hard to say what's right and what's wrong and what what things should do. And I think, again, when it comes to to humans, because we all kind of have this sense of of moral agency or or an ethical compass or whatever you want to call it, it's just assumed that if the human makes the decision, then it then it's probably okay. Um, and I think that was like you know you've touched on something which I think another thing we tried to do with with the series, this kind of questioning AI. It wasn't just questioning you know, the limits of AI, it was kind of what questions is AI throwing up? And I think the questions AI is throwing up about regulation, about ethics, about the mm-hmm. decisions we make, I think they're really important questions. And they're questions that we've never really had to grapple with in this way. I mean, we do a little bit with the way that we sort of create laws and the way that that can change and the law can evolve as, as society evolves. But we've never had to think about the famous trolley problem, like, should you kill one person to save four? What if those people yes. are related to you? What if those people are younger? What if those people are older? What if they're sick? All these things. We've never had to think about why it is that we choose the ethical choices we make. What is it that leads up to that? And I think AI is is really good at, at making us think about those choices and, and why it is that we might make those choices and whether or not we'll ever know. Yeah. Well, I loved this. I'll have to go back and listen to the other three parts of that series. We really appreciate you sharing a little bit more about the show. And we also like to ask all of our guests one question, which is what podcast they're listening to right now or something they would recommend to our listeners. Because at every podcast brunch club meeting, it's inevitable. We always talk about, oh, what are you listening to? Or, you know, do you like this one? I don't know if I like that one. So what do you got for us? So the, uh, can I can I name more than one? 
Sure. So I, one, I'm really ashamed because your sort of <laughs> podcast audience, well, no, I'm not ashamed of it. It's brilliant. But your podcast audience are going to be like, what? You're listening to that no, now? It's so those late. Those are the best. Um, no, those are the best. I'm sure someone said it before, The Shadows by Caitlin Prest. I've just discovered oh, yeah. it. And it's yes. unbelievable. I mean, I yes. loved the heart. I loved the way she played around with mm-hmm. documentary and fiction. Um, it's something, you know, her sound design is inspirational. And I just think it's, I've only, I'm only about halfway through and it's just, totally gripping um Mm -hmm. slightly uncomfortable sometimes if you listen on the train and there are scenes of a a more adult nature and (laughs) you're kind of like oh my god do these people know that I'm listening to people (laughs) doing stuff um yeah but no and then the other one which I think is brilliant and I don't it's one of those ones that I'm just I've become obsessed with and I can't quite put a finger on why and I think sometimes those are the best obsessions but underdog yeah. Which is the one with I haven't listened yet. It's on my queue, but I haven't listened yet. It's it's good. It's so good. I, I think I mean good. it's kind of that obsession with Beto O'Rourke that I think uh, mm-hmm. is playing off that, but it's just really well done, really simple. Um the sound design doesn't take away too much and it yeah. I think it's because yeah. it's happening in real time as well. You're just like you feel like you're kind of there's there's this kind of energy to it which you don't really get with podcasts. Totally, totally. I I know I know about the show. Um, and I live h- here in Texas, so I know about the show, and I'm very excited about the the energy around what's going on with mm. him. So mm. I already I already did my early voting. Good, good. Um, so <laughs> we'll do our part here. Um, yeah, <laughs> in my yeah, household yeah. at least, we're doing our part. Make a change. Good, good. And yeah, so. it's, yeah. I haven't since the first season of Serial. I haven't like waited on tenterhooks for a week for the next one to come out. So it's quite an exciting feeling again because I feel people now are just dumping everything which is fine but I quite like the kind of you'll have to wait seven days to listen to the Mm -hmm. next one yeah yeah it is kind of some shows really lend to that and some shows it's hard for me to stay to pay attention till the the next week remember what happened the last week but some shows really lend to that so I think that's a great example of one well thank you very much and um, where can listeners find more about Guardian Science Weekly well, it, yeah, Guardian Science Weekly, if you go to theguardian.com forward slash podcast, we've got loads of podcasts. We've just launched, they'll, they'll kill me if I don't say this, we've just launched <laughs> a new daily news podcast called Today in Focus, which is brilliant. Um, and you can also find, we didn't get to talk about it, but my most recent project, which I'm very proud of, called Beyond the Blade. So the Guardian, oh, great. Theguardian.com forward slash podcasts. Oh, fantastic. I'll check that out too. Thank you very much. And... Uh... Happy listening. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is Steve. I'm the leader of the Minneapolis chapter of the Podcast Brunch Club, and I'm here with some info about the people who help make this show. First, we'd really like you to rate and review the PBC podcast on your podcast player of choice. It's really helpful. The music you heard this month was from a couple of my favorite artists, First is a remix of Moe Shop's song, Love Taste, by Blair. And the second is the song, Sober, by Superb Liars. The music you heard during our ad was Mazel Gonna. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by the world-famous Adela. Adela's co-host on the podcast is Sarah De Silva, the leader of the Houston chapter of PBC and founder of Audible Feast. Lastly, audio editing is done by me, Steven Zampanti. You can connect with me on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks, and happy listening.